Yo, beast mode, I go beast mode Left, right, hook, then I reload Speed until the E breathe slow Connect every uppercut, clean blow Hello and welcome back to the Southpaw Jab podcast. We've got a, a lot to discuss this week. We've got some big Southpaw Jab news from a couple of team members. We've got an interview with Jamie Hughes and we'll also be hearing from Louis Van Pooch, better known as Poochie, one of the most experienced pros in Britain. We're also reviewing and previewing uh, some very big fights and some fantastic small hall action. Uh, on the line, I've got the editor of southpawjab.com, Adam. How are you doing, Adam? I'm very well, thank you, George. How are you? Not bad, not bad. Are you delighted to be back on the pod? Of course. It's all I've been thinking about <laughs> the last week. Has it just been consuming you and eating away at you? Yeah. Good, yeah, that's, that's what we like to hear. That's what we like to hear. As you know, the, the, the shared Google Doc has been growing daily. <laughs> <laughs> Right, so I believe we're going to start off with your very brief summary of the biggest fight of the weekend, which was Mikey Garcia versus Errol Spence. Uh, yeah, we'll gloss, we'll gloss over the big stuff. Everybody's covering that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Garcia was a shutout. Uh, Spence, I mean, even got on one of the cards, got a 10, 10 8 round without dropping Garcia. So that's unfortunate for Mikey. And obviously, he's gone up two weights. Um, but yeah, uh, Spence is a machine. Um, it was always a big and, ask, wasn't it? It was always a big. It ask. was. It was always a big ask. Um, and yeah, you know, there's been a lot of stuff on Twitter about what going up those weights will do to his body, um, whether he'll be able to come back down, which is all valid concerns. Um, then, of course, we had the the Friday night show. Uh, which when I, once I got in from, from work, I was able to enjoy. Katie Taylor was fantastic. Mm. Uh, just absolutely brilliant, I thought, um, in unifying the division and well, a little bit more. And then John O'Carroll with a very brave uh, performance uh, against Tevin Farmer. Um, it was a really, both of those were really exciting fight. Actually, that whole card from what I, end bit that I caught when I got in was, was really entertaining so fair play to Dasna for putting that together Yeah. What, what, what did you make of John O'Carroll's performance there? I'd just like to hear a bit more of what you thought on, on him if that's... I mean he's, he's one of those guys where you just think he <laughs> it, there's never any doubt that he's going to not leave it all in the ring and, and do you know what I was watching it sort of thinking about what you'd said on the pod last week about he maybe just doesn't have the power and that was true I mean he was outboxed and when he did have success it just wasn't bothering Farmer it wasn't breaking him down which mm-hmm. is kind of what Jono's uh, game relies on being able to break people down or at least outwork them but it was just he was just you know Tevin Farmer's an astonishingly talented boxer yeah yeah 100% um, so yeah, it's a shame, but I, and I like John O'Carroll a lot. So you know, I'm sure there'll be other opportunities for him. Yeah, people are always going to enjoy watching him, aren't they? So mm, yeah, that's it. He's he's, he's got a, an exciting style that that people will want to watch. If he can add a bit of power to that, I think he can go a long way. I mean, well, he already has gone a long way, you know. But well, yeah, he's just fought for a world title. <laughs> but um, but yeah, no. I, I, of course, completely understand what you mean. Um, Katie Taylor against Rose Volante was 
probably my uh, perform. I mean, Kevin Farmer was was great, but Katie Taylor really took it to Rose Valante. And then, of course, there was King Gabe, mm. Mm. who we talked about, and he was he looked like he was about to go um, against uh, Maciej Sulecki, and then towards the end of the fight, almost turned it on his head, smashing him into the floor a couple of times. Um, that was a fantastic fight. That's one of the fights probably of the year so far. Yeah, that that it turned out exciting. That's um, well, there's an apology due there to our listeners for our bet of the week, but it did almost come off. It did almost come off. I think we were right to spot some value there with Rosado at six to one. He didn't look like a six to one shot in the way the fight finished, and I know one. Well, he did in the first couple of rounds. I thought, Jesus, this could yeah. go badly wrong. But no. yeah. Ultimately, though, I mean, one of the judges had it only one point apart, um, didn't they? So, uh, it, yeah. it was a close call it, in the end. It was a close call, and yeah, it was. Again, I love Gabe Rosado, so mm. uh, a rematch would be a nice, uh, a nice one to see. But anyway, so as we said, everybody's going to be talking about those big fights. So that's really all we need to to do, isn't it? Because we've yeah. got plenty of small hall to cover and. Do you want to do the Southport Jab News? Yes, fantastic. What we will actually uh, move over to now is we've got a fantastic interview lined up with one of Britain's most experienced <laughs> pros. We've got Poochie Van Pooch, um, who Adam spoke to earlier this week. For those who don't know you, you're a, a beloved road warrior, a born entertainer, sorry, and, <laughs> and the new Team Southport Jab member. Yep, yep, that's me, uh, born entertainer, uh, just like to have a bit, a bit of fun, everything's a bit tongue in cheek. Um, yeah, just almost touching 110 fights almost, and um, yeah, just having a bit of a laugh with it really. Yeah, it's, and, um, you're always fun to I'm excited about as well. Sorry? Yeah, I was going to say, it's great to have you on, on the team, mate, I'm really, really pleased you agreed to join us. Yeah, thanks for having me. You, so you had a fight at the weekend, as you say, you're nudging 110 now. Um, where That was up in Nottingham? Nottingham, yeah. Boxed a lad called Dylan Clegg. Quite a good lad, to be fair. You, you rated him, yeah? Yeah, yeah. He's a uh, punch a bit, boxing skills as well. Um, he's a gypsy lad, so obviously it's in their blood, isn't it? So um, you could do those gypsy lads. You're always in for a tough line when you're boxing with the gypsy boys, so... Uh, that's what that's what happened on the weekend. Fair enough. <laughs> but I had a good scrap with him. I quite enjoyed it. Yeah, you you do you, you you seem to enjoy the sort of the away role. I mean, I know when you had your hundredth fight, you sort of organised to you in the home corner, and you said it was a logistical nightmare. I mean, did it sort of open your eyes to the to the home sides? Uh, it tra- traumas and tra- travails that they face uh, with trying to get ticket money off fans and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, um, I knew how it worked anyway because um, my first time pro, I was a home fighter for a few fights. Hence, why I become a journeyman because I realised how how much of a nightmare that sort of the sport is, and just I decided I'd another one of these fighters, which on my own admission, I'm, I'm quite a good fighter. But um, swallowed up in the system, so I just decided I was going to end up being a journeyman because uh, all I had to do was turn up. <laughs> it's just so much easier. And it's presumably, so you get paid every week or almost every week as well. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's just uh, 
it's just a it's just a job really you know what I mean it's just a I stopped years ago taking it, it too seriously and I never really have taken myself too seriously I thought maybe when I first turned pro you could say I probably could did did a little bit but um, yeah I just sort of stopped taking the sport and myself too seriously and just uh, just enjoy it along the way and just make sure I'm in well I say it is now but I'm, I'm, I've not, not always been in great shape but recently I've sort of made sure I'm in good enough shape to be in the uh be in the ring and make a fight of it. So that's what I've been doing. How does your training and lifestyle now differ from, say, when you were a prospect? Well, you know, you were. When I was a uh, prospect, and I'm doing the inverted commas sign now. <laughs> uh, prospect. Um, yeah, my lifestyle. I I took it quite seriously. I train. I went to Newport pretty much every day. The train with Tony Borg. Um, he he was uh, so I took. I was a spar with like Lee Selby. Frankie Ball, Justin Hugh, Andrew Selby, Joe Cordina, um, McGoldrick. Uh, who else do we have in that gym? Fred Evans. It's just, not so it's just those those boys. And um, you're much bigger than Andrew Selby. Yeah, well, he just pinged me about the near of his fast hands. The <laughs> <laughs> my head was like a pinball. <laughs> so yeah, but. But uh, yeah, I used to sort of take it quite seriously. To train a couple of times a day, like go on my road runs and then go to the gym and spa. Um, but then uh, once I sort of wised up to how the professional game works quite quickly, and I realised that it just wasn't. There's a few things which went wrong in terms of like uh, the ticket money and all that. And I'd, I'd fell out with my promoter at the time and. Um, yeah, so I just thought, tell you what, why am I running around selling these tickets? Uh, and, yeah, so I ran around for six weeks selling tickets for a fight in Gloucester. Ended up getting cut in the second round. So it was just like, what a waste of time that was. And then, I'd already had a couple of fights on the road by then. So I was like, what if I get cut in, the, in another fight when I'm in the home corner? I might as well just bloody turn up. He's yeah. having to, worried about it for six weeks and getting people there and back about it. So just that's how I became a journeyman, really. It's um, it's interesting that you say that actually because we've got an interview later in the po- podcast in this this edition. We've got an interview coming later on with Jamie Hughes, who's Team Southpaw Jab as well, and he's a middleweight. Yeah. And he, I mean, you'll have to have a listen, obviously, when you listen back to the podcast. But he is he's undefeated, but he really struggles with the tickets. He finds it hard work he goes in and out of losing love for the sport he's also got cut a few times I mean he's won all his fights but I know that he has you know in his in his frustration often said why don't I just go on the road I mean you kind of yeah. see how hard that side of the sport is when you you see people going through that I think yeah I saw um one of my opponents old opponents uh, Robbie Chapman he put um, a Facebook status out the other day saying brilliant let down again, all these tickets, another fight I'm going to have to pay for. Because I don't think people realise that the, the ticket money is what pays for everything, for that lad to be, be in that ring. So people don't realise that, like, Robbie himself said that he had to pay for everything. Like, he, didn't, he only just about made enough money to cover his bases to be in the corner. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. But it's, Sorry, go on. But it, it, it is what it is. No, it is what it is. We know that. When we turn pro, really, we're sort of, we don't know. We get told 
how it works, and we're all like a bit naive to it. And go, yeah, let's do it. I'm keen, I want to go pro. Of course, yeah. Everybody's sold the dream, and everybody wants that that opportunity to yeah. tr- at least try and win titles, and you know, become famous and uh, respected, and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, exactly, in, yeah. in your role as as a, as a paid opponent, do you you must know? Surely you you fight some guys, and you go, yeah, mate, this isn't going to be a dream that's going to end how you want it to end. Yeah. Do you yeah, get big time. Do you get that more often than not? Uh, yeah, I'd say so. I'd say so. Without sounding too disrespectful to anyone that I've been in the ring with, but. There's only a handful of lads I've been in the ring with which which are potentially going to go all the way or if not fringe all the way. So um, it's all just about the, what I say to people. There's only a few ways to make it in boxing. You've either got to be exceptionally good or sign with a big promoter or be able to sell consistently two to three hundred tickets or be a journeyman. And that's not, obviously you haven't made it as a journeyman, you're just making a living or making a wage from it. So it's, uh, it is what it is. You've got, if you're signed with a big promoter and exceptionally good, then even better. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you, you seem to enjoy the aspect of A, being an entertainer and B, actually fighting. So being able to fight regularly. Yeah, like, um, same as Jamie, actually. I saw go in and out of love with it, like... You've, you've probably seen me a few times with your call, like, with a big bit of a beer belly on me. Um, sort of looking a bit like... like sort of, one of the, one of, When I'm doing my ring walking, now I can put a face on and enjoy it, but the whole concept of the fight night, I really don't, I don't enjoy the journey there, don't enjoy being there, don't enjoy wrapping my hands, don't enjoy waiting for hours for the fight. But then when it comes to fight, I enjoy it. And sort yeah. of put a face up and have a laugh at it. There are times where I love the sport. Like at the moment, I'm in, I'm riding a bit of a wave at the moment. I've had a few good performances. Uh, probably been unlucky in my last few fights as well, not to get a little bit of a result. Um, um, but then, yeah, but then who knows? In six weeks' time, I could again just go into one of those uh, moods where I just cannot be bothered with it. It yeah. all just depends how how things go. But again, like. We take everything with a pinch of salt in, in this sport. Like, like I said, my last few fights, I could probably deserve a result out of them. I could draw at the very least, maybe. But again, you got a, you hear the decision, you think, ah, oh, whatever, who cares? Like, I'm past the point of caring now. <laughs> but, but like, but like, equally, I'm helping these lads on their journey on the way there. Like a few of, like I said, they're not. A few of them probably aren't going to go anywhere. A few of them might end up on the road as well. But like, good example, um, is one of my fights back when I was a prospect, it was one of my earlier fights, I fought Chris Jenkinson, a fellow road warrior. I, I was gifted the decision there, in my opinion. I, I've, um, it was a really close fight. I thought Chris had beaten me. So I was like, I'm happy with a draw. And they gave it to me 39-38 because I was in the home corner. So like, again, I just want to think about that moment. So I, got lucky, I got lucky once or twice, so... It happens to me pretty much every week, so yeah. <laughs> I was gagging it now. Yeah. Laughing. But I, 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 going back to what I've said a minute ago about like um, falling in and out of love with the sport, I do generally love the sport. Like Even when I'm not boxing, I'm not really enjoying the sport as in doing it myself. I still I saw, like, follow, follow the, 
everything on YouTube. I follow stuff on the anything that pops up my phone about uh, uh, Sky Sports boxing. Literally, my YouTube feed is just full of boxing videos and interviews and stuff. So I do generally love the sport as well, as well as being a uh, going in and out of love in terms of doing it myself. So, yeah. but it's always rich, rich and fun. He's always in my ear trying to get me a bit of motivation. So got I got a lot to thank him for. Um, not just for my career, but keeping me in a good frame of mind as well when it comes to these fights and uh, motivation. Because he's a bit of a fitness freak himself, keeps himself in good shape. So if the, the trainer's in better shape than the fighter, then someone's got to work with someone. Well, long may the uh, long may the crest of this wave continue, mate. And um, thanks again for talking to me. Yeah, nice one, lad. Yeah, well, uh, and we'll see you at York Hall soon, I hope. Yeah, well, um, you there this weekend? I think on the thirtieth. I don't actually know. Well, Richard just gives me a date to fight on and tells me what weight I've got to be on. Just get in the car and turn up. But <laughs> I do know for a fact I'm fighting that JJ Hughes. I think that's that Jamie Hughes, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's Jamie. Yeah. On so, the sixth of April, sixth rounder at your call. So come out to that one. It's be a good one. I'm gonna. Should we have me and Jamie have a bit of banter? Oh, yeah, he's... Jab and, uh... An all-Southport jab encounter. I think it'll be our first one. So, yeah, that's... Uh, that'll uh, be here. Making that'll... history. Making history straight away. Okay, it was great to hear from Pucci there. Always is. Um, I mean, he's got a, a lot of fantastic insights into the game. And for me, you know, he, he knows it as well as anyone, doesn't he? Especially on that small hole circuit. Um, yeah, great value. Yeah, it, he's a fantastic addition to the Southport Jab team as well. And I know we've got another piece of news on that front uh, from you, Adam. Yeah, there is um, some great news for one of our guys, John Harding Jr., a.k.a. Esther. Um, he's going to be fighting on the Dave Allen card. He's got a shot at that. So that's wonderful for John. Um, and of course, we're a bit ticket heavy on the issue of tickets this week, but... He's trying to shift tickets for that, so hit him up on Instagram or Twitter. I think he's at Pester Superstar. Um, and yeah, gets, it's a great show, and there'll be Team Southport Jab interest. So that's wonderful for him. Really pleased for him. Definitely, that could that could be an exciting card. I mean, that um, we spoke about it previously, but that that Chisora Gashi matchup is a little bit odd, but I think that headline of, of Allen and Brown is just a really cracking fight. Of course, there's no titles on the line or anything, but it just has potential to be a really exciting heavyweight matchup. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of proof of you don't always need a spurious title on the line. People know when it's going to be an exciting fight or, you know, a, you, you can sort of bet your house on some fights that they're going to be entertaining and... Uh, Allen versus Brown is one of those. Definitely, and I like that they're they're both fighters who've sort of um, you know won won the respect to the public through being decent blokes as well as you know being sportsmanlike and um, and all that. Which which and good good humoured as well, both yeah. of them, which is which is great. Yeah, hundred um, percent. So, as you mentioned, we're a little bit ticket heavy this week, but we are going to move into a, a really interesting chat that you had with Jamie Hughes um, this week. So, we wanted to shed a little bit of light on the the, the ticket selling side of the game for listeners. Um, some of you will know all about it, and some of you won't because you know it's a side of the game that often goes undiscussed. 
Yeah, so we're moving into a really interesting interview that uh, Adam conducted this week with Jamie Hughes all about uh, that side of boxing and selling tickets for small hall fighters. Uh, it's a really honest chat, so here it is. So you have to sell tickets to cover the cost, basically, of the opponent um, and the house. The opponent gets... Um, a certain amount of money for a four-round fight, six-round fight, and I imagine eight and ten. I haven't done that yet, um, so I don't know. Then you have to pay the promoter. Um, they have their fixed fee. It seems to be the same for everyone that I've worked with so far. Um, and Presume, Presumably you, that's to pay the venue and to pay the security and to pay all that shit. Yeah, and that's all right. Um they're they're, um, they're paying what they've got to pay. But so that money goes towards all of that basically before. Yeah, it gets, the money that you sell, to... the money that you sell from tickets, goes to the promoters, goes to the opponent. That's before you get anything. So I was at the moment. I'm doing six round fights. It's um, the opponent's getting sixteen hundred pound that I know of. I don't know how they carved that up once it gets given to them. Uh, but I get £1,600 before I get anything. And it's um, that's how it is. And I'm not sure what I'm allowed to say about it and what I ain't. Uh, but essentially, you only earn after everybody else is paid, correct? Well, you get, yeah. So you get paid after everyone else gets paid. And that might be at about... 70 or 80 tickets to sell 70 or 80 tickets is hard enough as it is uh, but to do it like every month or every six weeks or something like that is even harder you might as well just take people's bank details and set up direct debits because <laughs> it's and especially when it's like you're fighting on a small hall thing and I mean there's no dis- I mean I'm I'm one of these bods right so no disrespect to anyone, and we're all just out here doing what we've got to do. But if other people don't know you, they're not going to want to watch you box. They only come in to watch who they know. And if they, if you like, if you can't sell it to someone, you've got to become. When you're a pro boxer, you've got to become your own nutritionist. You've all, you've got to train for the fight, and then you've got to become del boy. And you've got to sell everything to everyone. Um, and it all snowballs into... Um, it's a fucking clusterfuck, to be honest. And the, the last fight I had, had to um, yeah, call it off because I didn't sell enough tickets. So, you know what I mean? It's just fucking... You've got training for the fight on top of selling the tickets... Um, so if you don't sell enough tickets, you you either pay for it yourself. Uh, so or so you don't explain fight. that. Explain that. Explain that. When you say well, I mean, if you, you pay if you haven't sold enough tickets to if I don't sell enough tickets to cover the costs of what I've agreed to for the the, the opponent and the house, I'm either going to have to make the money up myself. Um, by putting in, say, if I only sold, I don't know, 50 tickets at 40 quid, I had two grand, but I needed two and a half, I have to throw in 500 myself. 
just to cover the cost or I don't fight. And last time when I cancelled the fight, I was like, I couldn't give these tickets away. Um, it's something to do with Valentine's Day weekend. I think it's like everyone's turned into a cuck and they're just spending hundreds of pounds on Valentine's Day. I don't know, right? But I couldn't give them away. Like people, I was trying to sell them off price just to, because I needed, it was uh, like a day, like three or four days before the fight, I needed like a grand. And then, so I'll message a whole and that, lot. And that's not, about, that's not a grand that's going in your skyrocket. No, that's a grand that's, that's, a grand that's I'm, just to, yeah, that's to coming, make sure the fight happens. It's coming out of my sky, going to someone else's. <laughs> Just, just to make sure I can fight, and then that is the thing. So I was trying to get. So then I thought, well, I've got rid of some of these tickets. So I messaged everyone saying, you can have a month price. Um, just trying to bring that cost down as much as I possibly could. Um, and then, and then, like I needed something like eight hundred and forty quid, and I just thought, you know what? That's the point where it's not pro boxing. It's just an expensive hobby. Um, and I mean, I don't know, like, unless you've been to the Olympics or something like that, I don't know the setup that these guys like Anthony Joshua had when they first started and all that. He come from Olympic gold medal, but this is how I know how it is at this level. You could be the best fighter in the world. Right, there could be some like unearthed Canelo sitting around London somewhere, but he can't sell 13 tickets, he can't fight. But it just favours ticket sellers. Don't matter whether you're good or bad, or you could be mustard or you could be dog shit. It, it, it just favours the ticket sellers. And um, <clears throat> I had to explain to everybody that actually I was end up being like 21 tickets short. So I sold, I needed to sell about 80. Well, I sold roughly 60 tickets. So I had to explain to 60 people how the industry works. And the people were just like, they, they, they're looking at me like I'm telling lies. Um, and I mean, I lost, I had a sponsor, they don't, I, I lost them because I let them fight and that, all sorts of things like that. And your reputation as a fighter goes, it takes a big knock. If you say, oh, I can't fight because I can't sell tickets, Everyone looks at you just like you're a schmuck. Whilst I'm training, it's in the back of my mind all the time. Uh, tickets, tickets, tickets. There's the potential that, again, it's going to have to get called off because of tickets. Now, last time after I explained it to everyone, I had people come forward and say to me, look, we're going to help you next time and we're going to do, do, go for, like, do things like that. So, I mean, hopefully, I think now, this time, unless I break both my legs... I will be fighting in three weeks' time. Last time, the problem was with me, really. Um, I didn't make the weight, and I was... I mean, I'm really having a problem at the moment with, with weight and everything. Um, and I couldn't... If I could have made the weight, I could have fought the same opponent, done a four-round fight, and I probably would have been able to afford to pay for it myself, the, like the difference in cost. Mm. There to, he went for to be fair to to give credit where it's due. He actually went, found another opponent, said to me like, "You can box at a heavier weight. I've got you this opponent. We just need this much money. Will you have it?" And I said yes because I'm not like I 
hate, really, really hate cancelling fights. Um, I had a problem in December where the opponents were pulling out. That pissed me off. I had like three different opponents over a weekend, and in the end, I just said, you know what, fight this. Um, then February didn't sell enough tickets. So the last two fights has not been great. Um, but obviously, you know, he's, he's, he's given me the opportunity to, to fight again. Um, well, all right. So, look, Mo is doing what he's supposed to do. He's, do. he's keeping up his end of the deal. And, you know, my end of the deal is, is selling tickets and making weight. So, at all, the, all, the, all the fault, really, is mine. But but it's, I mean, it's a tough... as much as much fault as it can be for selling tickets. Like I can't go and hold a gun to people's heads and say buy my fucking tickets. Although sometimes that may not be what it takes. <laughs> Fantastic to hear from Jamie. There a really a really open, uh, honest interview um, with him on on the subject of tickets. Uh, have you got anything you wanted to add to that, Adam? I know it was a, a chat you really enjoyed. Um, yeah, I mean, look, Jamie's a, a good friend of mine, and he's, it's something that we've been wanting to cover for a while on Southport Jab, the issue, some of the um, harder aspects of boxing for for prospects, for everybody, and, you know, we spoke to Pucci about it a little bit as well, um, and I just knew that Jamie, I mean, he's, he's very self-effacing, like he says there, you know, in that interview, that it wasn't Mo, it's not Mo Pryor's fault that he didn't fight, it's his fault, he didn't hold up his end of the deal, he signed a contract to, to to deliver you know that amount of money and that amount of tickets to pay for the people so yeah I mean it's just the hard aspect of the game that I think it's very important that uh, fans know about and people know about yeah definitely it, it, it does you know it does often go under discussed um, especially when people are only seeing bigger shows you know with fighters who have a lot less to worry about in terms of ticket sales you know if you only ever see a matchroom show um you know those fighters are under a lot less uh, stress in in most cases not every case to, uh, yeah, to sell of course tickets. of um, course yeah i mean you know josh warrington is a, is a good example mm-hmm. he um he's famous for still going around and personally delivering all his tickets i don't know if he still does but I'm, i know certainly up until very recently he did do so um, you know, there's, the pressure is is on all fighters, but as you say, to varying degrees at varying levels. Yeah, one hundred percent there. Um, so we are going to move on to what is um, the real meat of the show, really, and and discuss what's happened uh, around the small hall scene this weekend, just gone, and what's coming up as well. So, firstly, Tommy Frank became the uh, Commonwealth champion in Sheffield um, in emphatic style, too. His opponent, Luke Wilton, was down twice in the first round and twice in the fourth uh, before it was stopped in that fourth round. Lyndon Arthur um, made one of our predictions come true uh, from last week and stopped uh, his opponent in the first round to move to 14-0 and with 11 stoppages. As we were saying, that's a, that's a remarkable record um, for a small hall fighter. It is an incredible record. One of the ones that we, <laughs> sort of annoyingly, we, we previewed this and, and spent a while over it, but Stephen Tiffany versus David Oliver-Joyce um, didn't happen. It's got moved to a venue in Saudi Arabia and will now take place on the 5th of April, so that that's quite an unusual one. Um <laughs> 
but yeah, keep an eye out for it. And if you fancy nipping over to Saudi Arabia for a bit of small ball <laughs> boxing, then, <laughs> then support yeah. your local fighters. Yeah, um, I'm sure you know that there'll be lots of Stephen Tiffany fans flying over from Edinburgh, um, and he will be the palest man in Saudi Arabia by a long shot. Will Stephen Tiffany? <laughs> He's a fantastic boxer, though. He's a fantastic boxer. So, um, Tyrone Nurse was defeated by Echo Esuman in their bout for the English welterweight title. Uh, and that has to be a little bit worrying for Nurse. That's four losses on the bounce. Um, could that could that be him moving towards retirement? I never... I don't want to be one of those um, boxing journalists that, that, you know, tells fighters when they should retire. I, I, that's one of my personal bugbears when they do that. But... Um, it, it, it is a, a worrying sign for him, isn't it? That four on the bounce. What do you think, Adam? Yeah, I mean, he, you know, he'll he'll point to the fact that most a lot of them were very close. I saw the Jack uh, Brubacker fight and to go over to to Australia and he performed very well for much of that fight and it it was close. But I mean, you worry, don't you? He's not he's not getting any younger. <laughs> that, well, he's still under thirty, but he fights with such a slick style that you just want worry that if his reflexes are going are slowing down then yeah that trajectory of four defeats uh, could spiral him down down the levels which would be sad to see yeah yeah i saw the liam taylor fight as well and um, that was also a close one that that could have gone either way Pe- you know people ringside weren't sure um but anyway, he's been a fantastic fighter to watch, and uh, we wish him all the best. Hopefully, he'll, uh, you know, if if he is carrying on, hopefully he'll he'll go out and get himself a win next time. Only he really knows whether he um, whether he still feels like he can continue. Yeah, hopefully he'll have you know uh, he'll get back to winning ways and push on push on from there. So you know, mm. yeah, I agree. Don't it's it's not our job to tell people when their career's over. We're just we're just fans. Mm, of course. So moving on, um, I believe you've got a bit of an update for us on Southpaw Jab team member Ricky Havens. Correct. Yeah. Um, and apologies if you heard that vibrate because that's actually just him WhatsApping <laughs> me. Uh, <laughs> um, Ricky, super welterweight. Uh, he's continuing. He had a surprise loss last year. He's only very young, Ricky, um, and he outpointed. He won every round against Teodor. Boyadijev at your call on the Goodwin show. Um, he sent me a. He's off enjoying his uh, his win with his girlfriend. So he sent me a message. Um, I'll just read it out. Uh, he's given himself eight out of ten. He says he dominated from the opening bell to all four rounds. Was really pleased to not drop around because uh, this uh, Boyadijev guy likes to likes to nick one or two where he can. Um, he felt his fitness and strength was the best ever. And I think he he said he said he didn't stick he says he didn't stick to his game plan and and box him and went in and took the fight to him and I think he was trying to say that uh, I'm reading between the lines here but I think he's quite proud of himself for that so fair play Ricky I'm really pleased to see him continue to win obviously it's very all all of our members are very all team members are very special to us and um, yeah it's just nice to nice to see him get the W. Yeah, of course, it's fantastic to see see Ricky get the win there. Uh, so moving on as well, um, we've got uh, the rest of that show. That was a big show. Yes, that was a big show. Um, are you going to fill us in on the Samo Maison K Prosper? I will. Yeah. Uh, well, so 
again, this is a uh, this is received wisdom here. So, uh, Team Southport Jabs Jack Hughes was there to support his mate Ricky, Spoir Ricky, and because I couldn't make it, unfortunately, I asked Jack to um, to fill me in. He's a good reads the game reads the game well, Jack. So. Um, Samo Mason and Kay Prosper had a draw for their um, English super lightweight title. Jack says it was a cracking fight, really good fight. He said, quite amusingly, he says, I thought Kay won it easily, but apparently not, as the cards were completely different. Um, he was apparently he was sitting quite far back and at an angle, and he wonders whether whether that uh, affected his ability to read the fight. He said Kay was hurt in the first. Uh, regrouped and and he Jack thinks he took the fight with his boxing skills uh, and uh, O'Mason neglected his jab and went looking to hurt Kay after that success in the first um, but Jack does concede that another Team Southport jab member Tommy Murphy who also has an excellent eye he said he thought Sam O'Mason won so Jack concedes he may have called that wrong <laughs> mm, mm. Um, and of course, there was a, an English title middleweight eliminator between uh, Linus Eudofia and uh, Darren Cadona. He's Darren, isn't it? Jack mm-hmm. kept calling him Daniel in his report. Um, sorry, I've got to check that that's right. It is, yeah. So it is Darren Cadona. I've got. I was getting really confused listening to Jack's message where he kept calling him Daniel. But anyway, um, that one got a bit tasty at the weigh-in the day before. I don't know if you saw that. Um, I think Cadona was just trying to get inside Linus's head, but Linus is a very, um, very cool customer. And uh, again, Jack said it was a cracking fight. Uh, Cadona came out game and strong, but Linus um, really controlled it, mixing it up well, working off his jab. Um, Jack, Jack says his jab was incredibly good. Uh, he had Darren down in the third, but then he did really well to get up and even managed to hurt Linus back a bit. But Linus... I mean, he's so slick, he just, Jack said he just rolled the punches, covered up, and just stuck it on, stuck it on Cadona after that. Uh, he said by the sixth, Linus, everything Linus threw was, was hurting Cadona. The ref stepped in in the seventh, and Jack says of that, that he thought it was a brilliant stoppage, um, because if he hadn't, Cadona wasn't, wasn't going to, you know, wasn't going to look for an exit. He was going to, stay there until he couldn't stay there anymore so Jack thinks he saved Cadona from himself mm-hmm. yeah so yeah so he's, I mean he's showing immense uh, potential isn't he Linus I know you've yeah he's, he's, he's so much fun to watch um, and you know he's he's a very uh, as I say <laughs> he's a very uh, he deals well with the outside part of the game as well if you know what I mean he's always incredibly friendly um, but he also knows what to say and what not to say so um, and uh, you know that as you go up to big higher levels that actually is, is an incredibly good skill to have so um, so yeah I think he'll probably just enjoy enjoy his win and have a little look before he starts calling anyone out or doing anything like that yeah. but you'd have to assume that he's going to fight the winner of the English title fight um and I think it's in May sometime. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right. So moving on as well. Uh, did you have your piece on Juan May Camero? Yes. Yeah, so in here, in a, on a weekend that saw a, a lightweight move up two weights and get shut out loss, Juan um, Camero uh, 
back of his Southern Area Super Lightweight title loss to Jeff Afori, um at the tail end of last year. Uh, he moved up to Super Welter, so stepped up two, uh, two weights, um, came out in the away corner to fight 9-0 at Adrian Martin, and he beat him uh, with a 56-59 win. So congratulations, Jermaine. Um, really pleased for you. That was, that's a cracking victory. That is, that, that is a, a hell of a win, isn't it? Yeah. <clears throat> and, that's, and again, banging on the drum of small ball boxing, mm. that's the kind of stuff that you go to see. Two cracking you know, title fights and an eliminator, and then some evenly matched uh, evenly matched undercard uh, bouts. So, yeah, wonderful. That's great, great yeah. news. People have got their money's worth for the ticket there, haven't they? Certainly. Um, so moving on, um, it caught my eye that Seb Eubank got his second win on VIP's Oldham show. Also appearing there was Mark Heffron, uh, and he got back to winning ways as well. Uh, it was a routine win, but good to see him back in that W column. Joe Laws, uh, the Benwell bomber, moved to 4-0 at the Rainton Meadows Arena. He's one to watch out for in the future in, in my book. He, I know he was on Sky once, I don't know if you saw him, he was on an undercard on Sky, and he just looks tremendously sharp uh, and strong as well, hard punching. Um, yeah, one to look out for. There was a bit of a shock result on that card, though, as well. Stylish lightweight Michael Gomez Jr. taking his first loss to Welsh trier Henry Janes. Janes's record is 13-24-3, and um, with only one of his wins coming by stoppage. Gomez is now 9-1. and um, So, as we know, yeah, Henry Janes used to be a journeyman, and now he's sort of uh, giving it more of a go. You know, he wants to, to, to be a real... Um, well, you know, he's coming to win every week. I'm not saying that, that some journeymen don't, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah uh, totally. It's a, a, a tricky subject to broach in some ways. But Henry James is, is you know, turn, turning his career around a little bit or trying to, and he's he's got uh, an impressive win there. Um, moving on, Ejaz Ahmed beat uh, the punching poet that we were talking about last week, Matt Windle, to claim the Midlands area flyweight title. Um, and the Siesta boxing card. Are you going to fill us in on that? Well, again, I'm I, I'm reporting on a report. So we had um, Dominic Haddy was down there for Southport Jab, and he fired me across uh, his thoughts on the show. We've got uh, do check southfordjab.com because there will be a full report, Dom's full report going up. It'll probably be up by the time this podcast goes out. To be honest, um, Lucy Wildheart. Uh, adjusted after a difficult start to win her first title. Um, five, she's now five and zero. She beat uh, French French lady Anissa Benyub uh, on the cards to win the WB. Oh, sorry, the IBO Intercontinental Female Lightweight Title. So well done to Lucy Wildheart. There's a great interview with her again on southboardjab.com. So do head over and, and check that out. She's uh, she's an interesting an interesting woman and obviously a very talented fighter. Uh, the main event was Luther Clay and Shane O'Shane Clark, uh, and it was a grudge match, a local grudge match for the Bracknell area and Reading area. Um, unfortunately, it, the grudge spilled into the crowd somewhat after the result. The doctor stopped the fight in the sixth. O'Shane Clark's eye was was badly swollen by the sounds of it, uh, and then there was a, a hoo ha over the handshake, um, which was then kind of uh, aggravated by. 
Luther Clay when he got on the microphone to address the crowd. He, I don't know what he said, but Dom said basically everyone was suitably well oiled for mm-hmm. St Patrick's Day, and uh, yeah, it just I, it, it sounds like no one was hurt and it was over very quickly. But that kind of thing is is just unfortunate. Um, on that card as well, Don wanted to pick out uh, Galassius Taru, who I know very well from my Hellraiser days. He's an incredible talent. Um, he was actually picked in two th- end, end of 2017. Boxing News had him as one of the talents to watch for, t- for last year, but unfortunately he's had a year out of the ring for various reasons. Um, but So it's great to see him back, getting a six-round uh, points win. And... Also, Don wanted to pick out Clay Elms, who made his debut, and he said he, he looked incredibly suited to the pro game. I know he turned over quite young again. He's only like 20, 21, um, decided to, to go straight into the pro, so well done to Clay. Again, do go and check out the, the full report on southwoodjab.com. Fantastic. Uh, a couple to keep an eye on there then, yeah, and do head over to southpawjab.com and have a look at those reports. That Lucy Wildheart... Um, Interview Q&A is a really interesting one, um, so do go have a read of that if you can. And moving on to the previews, our first one is a really big one uh, for Team Southpaw Jab. We've got Wadi Camacho versus Lawrence Ocoli, uh on the matchroom card. Uh, it's a it's a brave uh, defence um, here of his Commonwealth title from Wadi. Uh, he's in cracking form. Um, a lot of people I know are finding it hard to, to see a way uh, for for him to sort of get past the Coley. I've got to say I'm in that camp. Um, but have you, you know, have you been in touch with the the camp, Adam? Do you maybe can you give us some grounds for hope? Yeah, of course I can give grounds for hope. I mean, look, this is boxing, as as we know. We've just talked about all the shocks. Uh, well, I say shocks. I don't think it would be that much of a shock uh, for Wadi. I mean, he's certainly confident. It, look, these are two tall, rangy. Cruiserweights with a lot of power. What he's looked a lot more resolute, a lot more. Um, I mean, he's been stopped a couple of times, but he certainly his defence is improved and uh, yeah, his resilience. So mm-hmm. yeah, I don't think there is definitely cause for cause for hope. But yeah, I understand why people will have Akoli as the favourite. I mean, he's the British champion. He's beaten Isaac Chamberlain in that British beef fight. But of course, his big game when he has had the upper tier of quality faced so far. Chamberlain has got what I call his big game tactics, which is just spoil. Uh, he's, he's acknowledged it himself quite refreshingly and said he needs to address it. So we'll see, because the fights against Chamberlain and Matty Askin, where he won the British title, were, um, I mean, let's be honest, they were horrid to watch. I, I don't think Saturday's fight's going to be horrid to watch. I think it's going to be going to be a lot of fun uh, and I don't think it will go the distance one of those guys lands clean it's 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 all over yeah that's... so best best of luck Waddy because he wins that and he's British and Commonwealth champion yeah that's massive that's certainly what what fans will be hoping for is um something different to that Matty Askin fight and hopefully I mean they're both big rangy guys as you say so hopefully that'll be a good fight and an interesting one and best of luck to Waddy Camacho there uh, yeah. So moving on, also on that matchroom card, uh, we've got uh, Boatsy versus Conroy. Um, I mean, Conroy looks like a promising fighter, but I mean, to me, Boatsy's an unstoppable force, isn't he? I mean, what what do you make of that one? 
Yeah, Liam Conroy is a very, a very talented fighter. I believe he's a traveller. You always know that the travellers uh, can box, basically. It's just second nature. Um, but you're right. I mean, Josh Buatzi is is astonishingly good. Uh, I've seen him in the flesh fight live a few times, and he, I mean, he's he doesn't look that massive for a light heavyweight, but that he can obviously bang and he can box and move. And yeah, I I love watching Josh Buatzi fight. Yeah, he's, he's an amazing fighter. Um, yeah, it, it's hard to to see a Conroy there, but but it'll be an, it'll be interesting to see him uh, take that step up in opposition, um, and hopefully it's an interesting fight. Um, do you think I, I've heard this banded around? Do you think Josh Boatze is the UK's best prospect? Because I've heard people debating that before, and I think he's definitely up there. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree. I mean. You, you just yeah you're right there's there, what what's he done wrong so far what's he mm. where's he put a foot out of place he hasn't I don't know if he's even lost many rounds let alone uh, looked ever in trouble um, so yeah I'd, I'd agree that he's certainly one of the top sort of five or ten prospects in the country yeah and I mean it doesn't make too much of a difference in the ring but he's a very likeable guy as well as he always comes across really well in his interviews um, yeah he went to the same university as me as well <laughs> yeah, so Mary's in Southwest Land Twickenham, big sports uni. I didn't do yeah. sports, of course. Fellow, fellow alumni there. Okay. Yes. Well, so also on that card, we've got Charlie Edwards defending his WBC World Flyweight title against Madrid's Angel Moreno. Uh, the opposition Moreno has faced to me doesn't look good enough to to prepare him for Charlie Edwards, and Edwards is better than ever. I'm I'm gonna put my neck on the line and say Charlie Edwards will stop him. I know it works, it's not that on the line saying that, but I think Charlie Edwards will stop him. What do you make of it? Yeah, it's another interesting fight. I think it's a, it's it's a it's a voluntary defence, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean look, people generally don't take voluntary defences against someone they think is gonna be a tough mm-hmm. tough fight. Uh I actually thought the fight where he won the, the WBC flyweight title last when we, end, end of last year, we, we were there again. And, all right, maybe I was wrong. Well, I was wrong, but I, I didn't think he nicked it. I, I just didn't. And I like Charlie Edwards, and I'm pleased for him that he did. But um, you know, I've got to put my hand up and say, if I was scoring the fight, he wouldn't have won. I don't think. Yeah, that was one of those. I again, I, you know, I'm be honest on that one as well. I didn't think that when we watched it in the arena. <laughs> And when I got home and and watched some of it, um, you know, on the on the TV, I it, it did look to me like he'd won it then. But it's just interesting again that the idea of the view you get in the arena and, and the view you get when you've got a few different angles. Um, well, that's why they have three judges on different sides of the ring, yeah. isn't it? So, so yeah. I mean, look, I'm not I'm not complaining because I like Charlie Edwards a lot. So, yeah. Uh, so there are four other shows coming up this weekend as well. We've got uh, MTK up in Glasgow, Frank Warren show in Leicester, <coughs> Pat Barrett uh, has got a promotion on in Manchester, and Steve Goodwin is promoting a show at York Hall. We will start off then at Glasgow's Emirates Arena. Um, Kieran Smith headlines there against English champion Adam Harper for the WBC Silver <coughs> Super Welterweight title. I think that's an interesting matchup. Um, 
when I, when Adam Harper won that English t- English title, I mean that was a hell of a fight. Um, Smith has a height advantage, and the stats would suggest he's got heavier hands. But you you just can't write Adam Harper off for me. Um, have you got any thoughts on that before I'm moving on? No, mate. <laughs> no. I'm back to your superior knowledge on that. No, well, that's, um, Adam Harper. He, He's he's not not known for his heavy hands. He's uh, I, I'm not sure he's actually stopped anyone, but he's he's one that's hard to write off, uh, and he can grind people down. Also on that card in Glasgow, Scott Allen faces Ian Butcher for the Celtic bantamweight title. Michael McGurk, Lewis Benson, and David Brophy all also appear. Um, David Brophy's a, a former George Groves opponent. Um, Benson, for my money, was the victim of last year's worst decision. Uh, he schooled Tyrone McKenna, um, but somehow lost on points. And it, it, oh, that was on a televised MTK show. It was an outrageous decision for me. It, when we did our Southpaw Jab Awards, that was my robbery of, of the year. Um, not that we like to use the phrase robbery, but we have. Um, <laughs> in his previous fight, too, he lost out by a single point. Um, on the referee's card to Johnny Coyle um, and this one looks to be a routine win for Benson but he, I just think he's one that's uh, worth keeping an eye on uh, you know what, once he's taken a few losses there people will start to you know want to be matched with him but uh, he's got a lot more to give for me Anyway, moving on uh, to the Frank Warren promotion in Leicester. Sam Bowen uh, is uh, aiming to defend his British super featherweight title against Scotland's Jordan McCorry. McCorry's coming off a loss. Um, he had a, a fight sort of arranged slightly last minute in Switzerland. Um, he lost out over there. Uh, there isn't too much on paper to suggest that McCorry can beat Bowen, but he's a skillful fighter. Um, and it would be a statement if he can put on a good performance and uh, challenge Bowen here. Um, it's, I mean, that's got to be a Sam Bowen win for me. But anyway, uh, best of luck to both fighters. Um, and hopefully it's an interesting one to, to watch. Also on that bill, Nathan Gorman is taking on Brazil's Fabio Maldonado. Maldonado's only loss came in a 10-round decision defeat to Oscar Rivas. He's 26-1. and 25 of those 26 wins have come by stoppage, though. Um, albeit, I think he's been fighting some Brazilian bin men, if we're honest. Um, I've had a, a bit of a glance down his record, and there is some strange uh, records on there, some strange opponents on there. Um, yeah. These guys in in those parts of the world, it is uh, it is it is quite in places. I've got to be careful what I say here, but it, it can be quite easy to rack up uh, an impressive record, looking record. And um, there was one sort of midway through last year. I can't remember the guy's name, but he came from Mexico to challenge for a world title, and he had like. 25 wins, 24 knockouts, mm. no losses, and then got stopped in a round by the world champion. So, you know, I can't remember the names of the guys, but I just remember looking at the record and going, he's only ever fought four, four and six rounders yeah. in South America. This is yeah. a padded record if ever I've seen one. Yeah. I, I think Nathan Gorman's um, one of the most exciting young heavyweights we've got as well. So... <laughs> yeah, I, I really enjoy watching Nathan Gorman box. I mean, it was funny when Dubois knocked out uh, that guy the other week. Could you? And all, 
Pajani, that was it. Um, and everybody was going, oh, this means he beats Nathan Gorman because Nathan Gorman didn't stop him. I'm like, boxing doesn't work like that. <laughs> <laughs> like, Nathan Gorman is, you know, he can punch, but he's a boxer. Um, yeah. Daniel Dubois is an exceptionally exciting talent as well, but he's a different style of fighter. And anyway, yeah. for me, it's a great fight when they do fight, but I'd be picking Gorman to beat him. Yeah, it remind, reminds me of Fury versus Chisora. Um, okay. I just couldn't ever look past Tyson Fury for that, that first fight. I think it's like the, the junior version of uh, AJ versus Fury. <laughs> yeah. And can I, can, I drop my, uh, can I drop my Nathan Gorman anecdote in here? Yes. Every away. week I've got an anecdote. Last week it was Katie Taylor. This week it's Nathan Gorman. Um, when he was, uh, I was at the press conference when he was announced as a Warren fighter. And um, I went up and had a chat to him afterwards. Now, he's related to Bartley Gorman. Um, who was known as King of the Gypsies, obviously Tyson Fury's taken that moniker, um, and he was a bare-knuckle fighter. And I said to him, Nathan, do you mind if I ask you about Bartley? And he said, yeah, sure. I said, is it true that he turned up for an arranged fight one day and the opponent didn't turn up? Um, And in anger, Bartley flipped over a car. And Nathan, he's a very, you know, quite softly spoken, really, nice guy he just sort of nodded and looked a bit embarrassed and said yeah it is true yeah and then one of the guys from his team who's obviously uh, related to them or part of their camp said yeah it is true but it was only a little car <laughs> <laughs> well fair play uh, <laughs> only a little Sorry. car I had to throw that in it <laughs> always makes me laugh Bartley, the car flipper. Well, hopefully Fabio Maldonado turns up um, and just saves everyone's everyone's cars from Nathan's car flipping heritage. <laughs> you never know. You might might fancy turning over a few minis in a car park. Yeah, I was going to say they'll have to be small ones. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah they don't make cars small enough now, do they? Anyway, <laughs> min, min, anyway. even minis aren't mini anymore. Anyway, that is yeah, somewhat of a um, that is a digression. Diversion, so- yes. Um, <laughs> so Nathan Gorman, I, it's got to be another win for him, surely. Unless I mean, as we say, it's hard to know too much um, what you're looking at when you get somebody coming over here with these records. But Oscar Rivas dealt with him, uh, although they did go the distance. Um, Maldonado's 39 years old. Um, but I, you know, I think I think Gorman's going to deal with him. Uh, that three-round demolition of Sean Turner not too long ago, I found particularly impressive. Um, and yeah, it was. Yeah, Gorman's gone the distance a couple of times since. But as we said, he's a boxer. He he moves immensely well for a heavyweight. Um, it's a cliche, but everyone says you know he moves like a middleweight and he punches like a heavyweight. So it's it's the perfect mixture, and uh, it makes him a, something a bit different to watch from your, your usual heavyweight fare. Okay, and we're going to hand over to you now on the Goodwin show, I believe, Adam? Yeah, um, and it's a strange one, this, because it's, what I mean, what are we, a few days before before the show, uh, there's listed on Goodwin's website and listed on BoxRec, there's only six fights. I mean, they're all, four, they're all down as four-rounders, whether that changes, I don't know. Um, there's some exceptional talent, talent in the home corner, you've got, uh, undefeated fighters the whole way down. Uh, Ramez, the math magician Mahmoud, uh, is a lovely bloke and a maths teacher by day, hence the brilliant nickname. He's uh, he's fighting. You've got Jonathan Paletta, who's very 
Pilato, sorry, who's very uh, very exciting, and then Brad Pauls is good fun to watch, and so is Curtis Felix Jr. But I mean, I just don't understand why it's six fights of four rounds. You're potentially looking at not a very long show, especially if there's some stoppages. Um, it's listed as that on their website, and look, I'm not slagging Goodwin off because we had we've just talked about a very good show that they put on last weekend and I've been to plenty of their shows and always really enjoyed them. So I just wonder what's going on with that card, to be brutally honest. Yeah, I wonder as he maybe had a couple of pullouts there. Um... Yeah, yeah, potentially, yeah. I mean, I checked when I checked last week or so. Look, we'll see. I mean, I wish all the guys the best of luck. Um you know, they're, they're, it's just, yeah, it's, it just baffles me. That's that's all I can really say. Uh, well, that's something we'll keep an eye on anyway. Um, so I believe, unless you've got anything to add, that's the end of our small hall. Previews, yeah. I believe. Um, and we're going to move on to our bet of the week to finish the show off. Um, it's a bit of a sparse week uh, this week, to be honest, without... There's not rafts of appealing bets out there in terms of boxing. Um, but what we're trying to do with this feature is find some real value. And it's made that tricky. But we've had a look and um, this is this is what we're putting out. We're, we're going to look into the future a little bit and we're going to go for a double of David Allen to beat Lucas Brown. Uh, the best odds you can get on that are uh, 8 to 13 with Betfair. And if you put that in a double with Josh Warrington to beat Kid Galahad in their Yorkshire Derby, um, those I mean, they're both results that I see coming true, but of course they're both competitive fights. You know, they're both usually competitive fights. Um, but this is, as we saw it, the closest thing, just approaching a bit of value. That's slightly better than evens. Uh, if you double those up, you're getting 1.14 to 1. It's not the juiciest price, but we're making the best of a bad week. Um, and I think David Allen's price might get a little bit shorter, closer to the time. So that's our bet of the week. Um, in terms of finishing up, please do visit southpawjab.com and take a look at those articles uh, that we've already mentioned, that Lucy Wildheart interview and the upcoming uh, report on the Al Siesta show. Also, have a look at us on Twitter with Southpaw underscore jab. We're on Facebook as well. Adam, have you got anything to add by way of a sign-off? Yeah, just thanks for listening, guys. And uh, do check out the website. We've got some fantastic writers. Obviously, George, you write for Boxing News, so you'll know Slouch with a pen. Um, and yeah, just, just thanks for listening. Do give us a subscribe. We're just waiting for the podcast to pull through. It's being okayed for things like... Apple and all that kind of thing, but obviously we'll always have it on the website as well, embedded. Yeah, yeah. So just to clarify on that, yeah, we're we're on sort of Anchor um, is hosting us at the moment, and we're obviously available through through southpawjab.com. Uh, soon we'll be on Apple Podcasts and uh, well, a variety of podcast providers as well, and we will keep you updated on that. Thanks very much for listening, and see you again next week. Enjoy the boxing, guys. And just to add one very small postscript at the end of the show there, as regards getting tickets for Jamie Hughes' upcoming fight, which he very um, 
candidly discussed that uh, ticket selling operation with Adam earlier in the show, please contact him on Instagram only. It's uh, yeah, get hold of him via Instagram. That's at Hughesy Boxing. He's a, a member of Team Southpaw Jab, and he'll appreciate your support. It's really uh, worth watching him. He's a great fighter as well. Thanks again to him for coming on the show. Thanks to Pucci and thanks to Adam. And mostly, thanks to you guys for listening. Thanks again. See you next week. Yo, beast mode, I go beast mode. Left, right, hook, then I reload. Speed until it eat, breathe slow. Connect every uppercut, clean blow.